Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. And it is uh, Sunday, 15 April 2018. It's time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And I have, before I do anything else, this has been here for a while and I meant to get rid of it. Um, you know, I always put wax in my mustache on Sunday morning. And I ordered wax as I always do and I got some brown, which instead of the neutral color, and I don't want to look like Hal Lindsey and try to look young when I'm old. <laughs> I'm old and I don't care about the gray, so I have some brown um, mustache wax. If you use mustache wax and you're, I don't care where you are, if you send me an email and you say I'm in Alaska and I want that mustache wax, I will email it to you. But it's brown and it makes me look like a brown mustache and a gray beard. What's that? I won't, I, if they email me and I will mail it to them. I'm not going to email mustache wax. Anyway, there you go. That's that. And I just dropped it and I want to step on it, so I'm going to move it out of the way. Um, then I have a bandana on today from. I'm somebody, this is pretty wonderful. Uh, it says here, Brother Charlie, greetings from Gonzales, Louisiana. Yeah, okay. My wife and I listen to you on YouTube and Facebook Live. We saw this and thought of you, and we love you, Dennis and Margie Porcio. Okay. They sent me a bandana, which is Tabasco, which is made just down the road from them. I went to where they are and where Tabasco is made. The Tabasco once was, do you know what, I don't know if it still is, but do you know what title they held once? The most distributed product in the entire world. Every country that I've ever been, every back alley, even in the Philippines, you will find Tabasco. I'm telling you, wherever I've been. But it, I don't know if it is anymore, but it was probably Apple, you know, iPads or something are. But they sent me some Tabasco, too. So my wife is sitting back there, and I think we should move taco night up, okay, to tonight so that we can have some uh, Tabasco from right from Louisiana. They didn't have to go far to get it, and I want to thank them very much for that. That was, that was a real blessing. So uh, uh, I'm not going to take it off and show it to you, but it's got Tabasco written all over it and the big triangle and all that and uh, peppers on all sides. I mean, this, And I was wondering, I'm walking around here before everybody got here, and I'm thinking, why is it so hot in here? And then I realized I got peppers all over my head. So there you go. Um, let's see here. Our first category, as always, is Israel. And Syria, we all know that Syria's been going through trouble. I'm not going to talk about Syria in any detail, no, no article about Syria today, because you've seen on the news, you've seen everything possible about it. But I will say that the one person that's been blamed for chemical, uh, using chemical weapons against the people there is Assad, and he's the only one that doesn't have anything to gain from it. Right. I want you to know that Assad... We were on our way out. Trump had said, now this is the third time that Trump has done this too. We're pulling out. But he did give a red line. If there are chemical weapons used, we are going to handle it. Now people are mad at him for going into Syria because he promised he wouldn't. He gave a red line. He is not like our previous president where he says, if you use this, and this isn't just Syria, he's going to do this anywhere that you use WMD, he's going to come against you. He gave a red line. I'm not mad at our president. I think he did the right thing based on his word. But... Three times he has said that we're going to be out of Syria, and three times something has happened which has caused him to re respond to it. This tells me that we either have somebody from the deep state that wants us in Syria because of all the oil and the pipelines, or we have somebody from Russia. You would think they want us out of here, but guess what? Russia is now going to send the S-300s to Syria, and they're going to make billions of dollars off of those sales. So they're going to, and weaponry, they make money every time a bomb goes off that they have made, right? So Russia could have done it. It could have been ISIS, who is being supported by who knows who. It was originally established, as we saw in an old prophecy update, by um, uh our CIA. They actually helped establish ISIS. And so, we, once again, that takes us back to the deep state. It could have been the Saudis hired somebody to do this because they don't want our presence out of Syria. They want us there. Israel could have had a reason for doing this. I'm not saying Israel did it, but they could have had a reason. There are people that have reasons to do things and people that don't. We were on our way out, and the two people that probably had nothing to do with this would be Iran and Assad because they had nothing to gain. 
Iran wants us out of there so that they can keep moving towards Tel Aviv. That is their goal, yes. Why didn't the Russians try and shoot any of the 120 missiles down? Well, they said they did. They said they shot 71 of them down. They said they did, yes. And there were many videos of them taking off and going out there. But I just want you to know, even Turkey had a reason for us uh, staying there, okay? Turkey actually sent in a, uh, you know, a poster, whatever you call it, through the news and uh, didn't congratulate America so much as saying, you know, we're, we're glad you did this, but they said you did it right, you did it responsibly. All of these countries have a reason to have us there, with the exception of only two players. Assad doesn't want us there. They don't want, they want, they want Israel. That's what they want. So I just want you to think about those things. Whatever the reason is, that's all I'm giving you this week because nobody knows who did that chemical attack except the people who did it. And maybe somebody that's behind the scenes that, you know, whatever. But it's not worth speculating. It's not worth getting down on people over it. The only thing that matters is that it happened and that we responded because it happened. Other than that, the weeks are going to unfold and more things are going to happen. It may get worse. It may subside once again. We'll just see where it goes. But from the Times of Israel, Hamas official signals that Israeli boosting of Gaza economy could curb protests. Okay, so they're saying if you help us out, we're going to curb our protests. Let me read you the article and I'll give you my thoughts on this. A senior official in the Hamas terrorist group demanded that Israel ease some of its economic restrictions on the Gaza Strip and suggested that steps that immediately improve the economic situation in the Palestinian enclave would curtail a wave of violent protests on the Israel-Gaza border. The official said the weekly demonstrations near the border will continue and lead to an escalation of hostilities, but that the atmosphere can change if Israel takes immediate action to improve the humanitarian situation in the Strip. Now, they are stealing their own people's energy. They are the ones that are digging the tunnels and spending all of the money doing these things, okay? Israel's the only one that's helping them out. They're the ones that are partially funding the electricity that goes over there. They're allowing things to go through the border. Israel's the only one that's doing anything for those people that could be considered help. And I would like to read you something which completely blows us out of the water. It was on a prophecy update that I did last year on 17 February of 2017. Lieberman offers to turn Gaza into Singapore of the Middle East. Does anybody remember this article? Lieberman, the defense minister in Israel, said, we will turn this into Singapore of the Middle East if you will simply acknowledge our right to exist. Here's what it says. Israel's defense ministry yesterday offered to turn Gaza into a prosperous territory by creating jobs and building infrastructure. Lieberman proposed turning Gaza into the Singapore of the Middle East by building a seaport. This is Israel going to do it for him. And an airport and by creating an industrial zone that would help create 40,000 jobs in the Strip if Hamas agreed to demilitarization and dismantling the tunnel and rocket systems it has built up. They offered it, no response, and nobody in the world commented on that, as far as I know, outside of the prophecy update at the Superior Word. It was completely lost, and yet it is there. It is published. That's from Becom. It made several other large newspapers, but nothing was ever done beyond that. And so I want you to know that what they're saying is a, a lie, and all they want to do is just make it look like Israel is the problem. And by saying we're offering this and Israel doesn't give it to them, it just shows that uh, Israel is bad. That's what they're trying to do. From the Times of Israel. Residents of Jerusalem neighborhood petition high court against U.S. Embassy. A group of residents whose homes overlooked the American consulate in Jerusalem submitted a petition to the high court against plans to open the new U.S. Embassy there on May 14th. So this is going to cause some problems with our time schedule. Those living in the quiet Arnona neighborhood in South Jerusalem already have to put up with bright security lights around the compound and increased security patrols. I can hear the violins already playing. Playing. This is the NIMBY syndrome. It's always that way. These are obviously liberals over there that are complaining. But it says, uh, but thanks to the finance minister's waiving last month of planning rules, the current, does anybody know what NIMBY means? Not in my backyard. Okay, NIMBY syndrome. Okay, I, I, I got a lot of blank faces, so that's why. Okay, um, the current fence around the compound that still allows residents to enjoy the sweeping views eastward to the desert is to be replaced by, get out your violins, a more high, 13-foot-high stone wall. 
The residents claim that the measures will change the fabric of the neighborhood. They ought to see Siesta Key if they want to see really? fabric changed. Anyway, um, and says Foreign Minister Colon's decision to exempt the project from the usual planning rules was made illegally and improperly. They're being joined by the left-wing NGO Ur Amim, left-wing, there you go, whose interest is more political. Now listen to what these... Uh, Ur Amin would praise the opening of an American embassy in Jerusalem if a parallel embassy would have opened in the capital of a Fakistinian state in Al-Quds, which is the Arabic term for Jerusalem. So these are Jews that just want destruction in their own home. Sounds like the liberals in America, right? Yeah. And then from Haaretz, U.S. embassy moved to Jerusalem, stalled despite government efforts. So they sued at the beginning of the week, and now we're stalled on this. Typical liberal NIMBY syndrome. Jerusalem Post, former Qatari prime minister, Israelis have a right to live in their land. He followed after the Saudi last week. This guy is a former Qatari prime minister, and he said the same thing. They have a right to their land. This is something you would not have heard two years ago. All right, might not have heard it one year ago. From Ynet, Honduran president to light torch at Israel's 70th anniversary, obligating prime minister's attendance. The next day, Times of Israel, amid controversy, Honduran president backs out of Independence Day event. President Hernandez canceled his participation in Israel's gala 70th Independence Day celebrations following criticism, led by an opposition Knesset member and based on his country's human rights record of the decision to have him light a ceremonial torch. The foreign ministry regrets his not coming and welcomes the friendship between the two countries. So once again, I'm sure it was a lefty that said we don't want him because of human rights when whatever, mail online. It feels like 1930 Berlin. Tell me what's the matter with this article as I'm reading it. Feels like 1930s Berlin. Holocaust survivor says Trump's America reminds him of the years leading up to Nazi domination in Germany. Stefan Jacobs, or Stephen Jacobs, 79, has lived in the U.S. since shortly after being freed from the Buchenwald concentration camp in Germany in 1945. He said in an interview, there's a real problem growing in Trump's America. The New York City-based Polish-born architect says he has personal knowledge of Trump and that he's a sick, very disturbed individual. Jacobs also said it's crucial for Washington, D.C. to fight against fascism. Adolf Hitler came to power in 1933 after campaigning for years on the idea that Germany should be brought back to its pre-World War I glory. Okay, anybody know what the problem with that is? I caught it immediately. Come on. The German wasn't born in... There you go. He was... Born in 1939, how would this jerk know? By the time he got out of Buchenwald, he was only five years old, or maybe six, depending on when his birthday was. He made it up, and people post stuff like this, and they publish it. He wasn't even born when he's saying, well, this, this was happening when I was a kid. He's a liar, and he's also from New York, which probably means I won't say it, but because not all people from New York are, but most of them. All right, Christian, Christian News Today. Uh, last week, we asked for prayers concerning the situation of the LGBTQ agenda down in Trinidad. We lost the case, says Ruth. The judge repealed the law and ruled in favor of the gays. They are celebrating in the capital city. There are clashes between Muslims, Rastafarians, and gays on the streets. Police had to be called in. There is sadness among some Christians, but I know, listen to this, statement of faith, I know that God will have the final verdict. Good job. She's got faith. All right. Why? Because she attends the superior word where we open the Bible and show that there is a good end to these things. We don't need a weekly dose of you're going to be okay this week and you're going to get your BMW. That's not true. People suffer. We got people in this church right now that are suffering greatly, but we know that the end result will be wonderful. I'm so happy for her faith. Now, last week I said that I would mention Isaac and what he's doing in Uganda. Um, he, when we did the school for him, this is something I didn't know, but it was in his budget. When he sent out all the paperwork on the school, he said that it would be $7,000 to build the schools. And right there, which without me even realizing it, the school was to be built up to the top of the uh, structure. In other words, that's the way they build things over there. Not all places have roofs on them, but now they have a school. They've got the chalkboards up. They teach in them, but there's no roof. 
And so, you know, well, it rains in Uganda like it does everywhere else. And so now he wants to go to stage two of building these schools. And he's been getting funding slowly but surely. There's a GoFundMe page that you can give to, which I did not write down, but you can email me for it. Or you can send something to him directly and say, I want this to go to the school. Because he's got piggery projects, he's got Bible projects, he's got all these different projects that he does for people, and you have to be specific where you want him to send it, or say, spend it wherever you want, and then he will spend it wherever you want. But if nothing explicit is given, then he will use it according to what he thinks is the most pressing need. We've got girls with AIDS that need help that he helps, etc. But this school project is going to be $9,066, okay, for the, the roofs to be put up. There are going to be metal roofs. They'll be, you know, very well done. But anyway, um, he's gotten so far, I think, about $700, maybe a little bit more, a little bit less. But I want to make an appeal for Isaac and the children in the school. He's teaching them. I, he sent me a video, and there he was teaching them the Bible. Actually, he had a teacher in there, and he was doing the video. But they're teaching Bible along with school there, which is something that we can't do since when? 1950-something here in America, or early 60s. But there you go. That's my appeal. Please, if you want to help Isaac in Uganda, he does so much for the people there. Okay, so there you go. HuffPost. This goes back to August 2013. Charlie, why are you reading such an old article? It's because last week I brought up the gospel song of the week, which was In Christ Alone, right? And so you have In Christ Alone, which was a wonderful uh, submission that guy made. A lot of uh, people email me and they said they can't get into the gospel song of the week. And what they were doing was capitals, G-S-O-T-W dot org. And you can't. It has to be all small letters, G-S-O-T-W dot org. And then you can get into the gospel song of the week, which I didn't know that and I figured it out. But... Um, the reason why I'm reading this article is because it's something that somebody sent me and said, well, this goes back to 2013, but it's interesting. In Christ Alone, which we did last week on Gospel Song of the Week, dropped from Presbyterian Church Hymnal over lyric dispute and scriptural debate. Yes. So it's the PCUSA. They, they are completely gone as a denomination. But I thought it was interesting to read you. Fans of a beloved contemporary Christian hymn won't get any satisfaction in a new church hymnal. The committee putting together a new hymnal for the Presbyterian Church USA dropped the popular hymn In Christ Alone. Here's why. Because the song's authors refused to change a phrase about the wrath of God. It said, uh, and the wrath of God was satisfied, right? Okay, they wouldn't change it. This is our song. We're not changing it for you, liberals. The original lyrics uh, said that on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. The Presbyterian Committee on Congregational Song wanted to substitute the words, the love of God was magnified. Well, that may be true, but that's one, not the intent behind the cross. It's to show that God is really, really, really angry, thank you, at sin. He's angry at sin. And without taking care of the sin debt, God's love will not be magnified in anybody. God is love. And it's magnified when you receive the work of the cross, not before. Okay? So, uh, to take out or to change something like that, whoever wrote that song, and it's a modern song, I, my hat is off, my bandana is off to them for that. From Christian Times. China bans Bibles from online sellers like Amazon. Now, this is something that's made some of the prophecy sites, but I want to tell you that the missionary that I've mentioned him before, I can't give his name, but he's over in China. He lives over there, and he has to leave every certain amount of time because he, well, I, I don't want to give any more information than could be, but he has to go out of the country, and he goes up to other countries, and he then comes back into the, the country of China. But he emailed me about this information Apart from this article, he simply said, we can't get Bibles. All of a sudden, in one day, we can't get Bibles, and there's, there's the websites are changing, and it was a very interesting email, but here's basically what he said in his email. Last week, Chinese social media users began noticing that they couldn't find Bibles listed on some of their nation's most popular e-commerce platforms. Shoppers who searched the word Bible on retailers such as Taobao, Jingdong, Dangdong, and Amazon China began receiving a no-results response. Search analytics revealed a significant spike in the word Bible on March 30th, but by April 1st, analytics showed a zero, suggesting that the word may have been censored. No may about it. Two days before the Bibles were banned from online purchase, the Chinese government released a document outlining how it intends to promote Chinese Christianity over the next five years. One of the government's key objectives is to reinterpret 
and retranslate the Bible in order to ensure Chinese-style Christianity and theology. Now, we've got 8 million versions of the Bible here. We can get ladies' Bibles in pink, and we can get children's Bible with little Jesus drawings on them. We can get Bible in any way we want. They are now being denied what we take just as for granted, right? They can't even get it online anymore. goes on. It says, among China's main religions, which include Buddhism, Taoism, Islam, and folk beliefs, Christianity is unique for having its holy text banned from commercial brick-and-mortar bookstores. Earlier this year, the government announced it would drop presidency term limits, effectively allowing current President Xi Jinping to serve indefinitely. Few Christians may back this development. Overall, Xi's first and current five-year term has not been particularly positive for believers. A provincial government engaged in a multi-year campaign to remove crosses from the tops of churches, while Xi has suggested that religions that inadequately conformed to communist ideals threatened the country's government and therefore must be more Chinese-oriented. Okay, so there you go. That's what's happening in China while we sit in the church and speak out the word of God and preach line by line, analyzing the Hebrew, analyzing the Greek, everything. That's not happening there. They didn't learn anything from the Romans. They learned nothing from the Romans. That's absolutely right. From Christian Post, Mississippi Church votes to leave the UMC, United Methodist Church, over failure to uphold Scripture. Very good, people. Very good. Abortion, homosexuality, resurrection, and Christ's divinity. Church members at First UMC of Louisville, Mississippi, have overwhelmingly voted, the ones that didn't should just be kicked out, have overwhelmingly voted to withdraw the congregation's membership from the UMC denomination, citing a number of issues, including homosexuality and abortion, as the reasons. We've got several people in this church right now that left St. John's, uh, St. John's, yes, United Methodist Church years ago. I was teaching over at Grace Baptist Church, and we had three people in there every week or whatever. The next week we had 300. And I'm like, what's going on? And they all said we left the uh, church over there because of the abortion issue. And some of them have actually suffered through my preaching now all these years. They're still here. But I, I'm so proud when people will make a stand like this. It shows that they actually care about what they do in church and they're not just there to fellowship and to, you know, it, it's just amazing. So let's go on. It says um, members of the over 180-year-old congregation held a membership affirmation vote to determine whether they wish to remain affiliated with the UMC. In a 176, 75 to 6 vote, 175 to 6 vote, the congregation expressed its desire to remove the church from the denomination. This is that. What does that tell you about that church? Anybody? It's the pastor. The pastor, it is a Bible church, but it is because the pastor is there. I was in a church which was not a great church out on Siestiki growing up, right? And it was a fine, what do you call it, Episcopal church. It was, it was just regular Episcopal. The next guy came in, a complete liberal, and it, he literally destroyed that church. And the people that cared left. The rest of them stayed, and all of their theology has gone down like that. The pastor drives the church. That's just the way it is. So uh, now... The church may drive the pastor out, but as long as they have him, he will always drive the theology in that church. So remember that. If you're at a church and you get a new pastor, be ready. Be ready. Okay, don't just say you're here and you're here forever. We've got you here and you're being given a probationary period or something. Make sure that your church does that. There's okay. There's a UMC church downtown, Crossroads, and they want to leave, but they've been struggling because the Methodists own their building. And yes, and that's the same thing here. What he said is that there's a UMC church down the road, which is going through the down, downtown, that has the same problem that is going on with this church here. The UMC, like all these major denominations, owns the property. And because they own the property, it's very hard to get out from under that unless you can afford to raise enough money to buy it out. So there you go. That's what's going on there. It says um, uh, 175 to 6 vote. The congregation expressed its desire to remove the church from the denomination. This is a decision that our consciences forced us to make because the failure of the UMC denomination to uphold scripture and its own book of discipline. 
While our church will no longer be a member of the UM denomination, it will continue to be Christ-centered church that is faithful to the scriptures and the theology of John Wesley. You could throw the second half out and just be faithful to the Bible, okay? That's what you need. The statement added, it will forever be a Methodist church, but not a United Methodist church. From Islam today, from Creeping Sharia, Belgium, Islamic Party says, our goal is a 100% Islamic state establishing Sharia law. You know, they ought to kick them out of the country, but knowing Belgium, they're going to be all worshiping in mosques pretty soon because they allow this type of talk. From the Jerusalem Post, fake Palestinian authority lifts disguise on martyr payments defying Taylor Force Act. So we passed the Taylor Force Act, and what do they do? They lifted the disguise on it to put it out in the face of the world. After three years of disguising its payments to families of martyrs and imprisoned terrorists, the fake Palestinian authority has lifted its veil on those payments in a blatant act of defiance against the United States. The recently passed Taylor Force Act stipulates that portions of U.S. aid to the Palestinian Authority will be cut back until it stops paying stipends to prisoners, released terrorists, and families of Shahids, who are terrorists who die while carrying out violent acts. Since 2014, the amount allocated to the Commission of Detainees and Ex-Detainees Affairs has been removed from the Palestinian Authority budget in an attempt to disguise the fact that it is the Palestinian Authority that finances the payments to imprisoned and released terrorists. Now, the amount earmarked for the commission has once again been openly included in the Palestinian budget. The Meyer Amit Center's assessment is that this is a blatant act of defiance against the United States in response to passing the Taylor Force Act. Well, I'm glad that we did it because now it proves what we have said all along. It now proves that. So we did the right thing. It goes on and it says, in the Palestinian Authority's 2018 budget, the commission listed as item 46, this institution pays the stipends of imprisoned and released terrorists and has been allocated around $165 million. More broadly, the report states that the 2018 budget allocates around $360 million, or approximately 7% of the annual $5 billion budget to two institutions that assist terrorists imprisoned in Israel, release terrorists, and the families of Shahids. What that means is because it is now a part of their open budget, we should no longer give them one penny because we cannot decide where they're spending our money. So the United States, by law, I believe, can no longer give them anything. And if that's the case, bonus. Let the rest of the world pay for terrorists, not the United States. Zero Hedge, United Kingdom funding textbooks that teach children to blow themselves up. If you're in England, you ought to be upset and you ought to write your whatever you call them over there, House of Lords or whatever you have over there. In 2016, a study carried out by the OECD found that for literacy in the developed world, England ranks dead last. The same study also stated that for numeracy in the developed world, England ranks second to last. Even among graduates from English universities, the OECD study found one in 10 had literacy or numeracy skills that were classified as low. The results are astonishing, not to mention shaming. They reflect decades of misdirection in British education, including the misdirection of resources. Understandably, successive governments complain about a lack of resources, but all of those laments only serve to highlight the strangeness of Britain's latest priorities in funding education. This past weekend, it emerged that last year, the British government funneled $20 million to Palestinian schools. They can't fund their own schools so that they get up off of the last categories, but they can send $20 million to them. Here's what happens with it. A review by the Institute for Monitoring Peace and Cultural Tolerance in School Education found that these revenues go towards funding a curriculum which omits teaching peace, promotes the use of violence, specifically jihad, and encourages martyrdom. An analysis of the textbooks funded by the UK government using UK taxpayers' money found that these textbooks, which come from the Palestinian Authority, exerts pressure over Palestinians to acts of violence. Listen to this. A science textbook intended for 12-year-olds, for example, claims to teach them that Newton's second law of motion in the following way. During the first Palestinian uprising, Palestinian youths used slingshots to confront the soldiers of the Zionist occupation and defend themselves from their treacherous bullets. 
What is the relationship between the elongation of the slingshot's rubber and the tensile strength affecting it? So they're using schools to justify killing yeah. Israelis. It's, it's crazy. Anyway, it goes on. Another textbook, which is meant to be used for teaching arithmetic to nine-year-olds, takes a highly local approach to the matter. Math lessons, as provided by the Fakistanian Authority, courtesy of the United Kingdom government, teach children addition by asking them to calculate the number of martyrs in various uprisings. Elsewhere, the study found that social studies books, including images of children in their schoolrooms with an empty desk fitted with a sign reading, Martyr. Repeatedly, the textbooks refer to the occupation, to Zionist occupation, Zionists, and much more, all of which perpetuates the notion that Israelis are invaders and oppressors. In other words, these textbooks are clearly and consistently intended to indoctrinate a new group, a new generation of Fakistinian children to hatred of their neighbors. That's their money in England being funneled off to them when they have these horribly terrible schools, which they're trying to educate people with. From Al-Arabiya, Mohammed bin Salman, Saudi Arabia could take part in military response in Syria. If it continues to grow, Saudi Arabia may join the fray. From Newsweek, China military tells Russia, we've come to support you against the United States. So there you go, the shaping of the world. Mongolia News Today, Business Insider. The Trump-Kim summit could take place in Mongolia's Ulaanbaatar. Another article on the same issue, and we're closer to it coming. The summit between President Trump and North Korea's Kim Jong-un may very well take place in Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia. U.S. officials familiar with the secret high-level planning talks for the bilateral meeting told CNN that Kim would prefer to host it in Pyongyang. I bet he would. But that Ulaanbaatar is being floated as neutral ground. Former and current presidents of Mongolia also seem open to the plan. Mongolia has hosted meetings between North Korea and Japan in the past and is on friendly terms with most countries, including its neighbors Russia and China, as well as both the U.S. and North Korea. So that article I read several weeks ago, almost a month or more ago, may pan out because we got other people talking about it. And then it's in a perfect location. I mean, it is right in between Russia and China. It's right there. You're right down the road from North Korea and you know, Trump could say, oh, I've been to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia now. So, hey, like vacation time. Daniel 12 technology. From Fox, this is really cool. This is really cool. New foam armor for tanks can pulverize enemies. Okay, the title is, it doesn't make any sense. It's not enemies, it's the incoming enemies rounds. Whoever typed this article left off the end of it. But I left it the way it was. A revolutionary new material called composite metal foam, or CMF, can pulverize enemy rounds and could even be used as an armor to protect tanks and other combat vehicles. Believe it or not, this breakthrough foam may provide greater protection than traditional armor steel plates. It is also far lighter than current armor. This foam has the potential to dramatically reduce the armor weight on combat vehicles by about 65%. Imagine a tank being 65% less, how much faster it could go, how much less gas it would need, etc. Diesel, gas, anybody tank driver here? No, it's probably diesel. Anyway, um, okay, diesel. We got a specialist over here who says diesel. Um, okay, so where was I? It's a discovery with potential to revolutionize future tanks and armored vehicles. Tests continue to prove that this foam not only stops rounds, but it can smash the would-be armor-piercing rounds into smithereens. I love that word, smithereens. Whoever wrote this article, it was much longer, I had to cut it down, was very linguistically active, I can tell you that. Smithereens. In addition to defending against direct hits by powerful enemy weapons, the Wonder Foam may also deliver better protection from explosion blast waves, deadly cook-offs, and even radiation. Basically, it is a foam made out of metal, hence metal foam. CMF has holes that make the material sponge-like. The Swiss cheese-like structure also helps to make CMF lighter than normal metal. Let's say a tank covered in this foam armor gets a direct hit by one of the enemy's tank main guns. When it strikes the CMF, the foam's hollow spheres absorb some of the strike's energy and help resist damage from the hit. Armor-piercing rounds are a serious threat and a growing threat as they have become more widely used by enemies of the United States. 
These rounds are designed to tear through heavy armor like it is aluminum soup can for maximum destruction. Once again, using the linguistics very well. Um, it goes on. It may seem hard to believe, but tests continue to prove that this foam not only stops rounds, but it can smash the would-be armor-piercing rounds into... Smithereens, thank you. In one test, one inch of the remarkable foam faced off against an M2 30 caliber armor piercing bullet. The bullet travels with 2,780 foot pounds of energy, and when it makes contact with the foam, that armor piercing round is Hulk smashed by the foam. Hulk smash, yes. Ooh, Hulk smash if you saw that movie. Okay, so the CMF is also remarkably good at deflecting blast waves. Improvised explosive devices, IEDs, have unfortunately become a cruel, crude, commonplace weapon for enemies of the United States. A good alliteration there. Uh, goes on, the immediate blast and shrapnel can inflict devastating damage to personnel and vehicles. Less well known, these bombs also pose another threat that is not visible. The explosions yield shock waves, and these initial waves of energy can impact the brain. These waves can cause harm and play a role in traumatic brain injury. Tests have shown that this foam may also provide better protection for warfighters inside a vehicle from these shockwaves. A future vehicle could theoretically be kitted out with just four tons of CMF rather than 12 tons of traditional armor. One other thing which I cut out because the article is too long is um, cook-offs. Cook-offs means that it gets fuel on top of it when the thing is burning and the people inside literally become barbecued because the thing is burning on the outside. That foam will reduce that because it's got air pockets in there and it will give people time to get out of the thing before it actually cooks them inside of it. Very, very neat stuff. Revelation Plagues today from the new Atlas. Two major crop scourges are hybridizing to produce a new mega pest. Australian scientists have found evidence that two of the world's most damaging pests have hybridized to create a dangerous megapest with pesticide-resistant genes. The new hybrid has presently only been identified in Brazil, but the researchers warned that its spread throughout the global agricultural community could be devastating. Helicoverpa armigera, commonly known as the cotton bollworm, and Helicopovera zia, the corn earworm, are two types of very hungry caterpillar that cause billions of dollars of damage to crops every year. Corn, cotton, tomato, and soybean are just some of the many crops these pests can attack. With the cotton bollworm having developed resistance to all pesticides targeted at it. In 2017, an eight-year project that mapped the entire genome of both caterpillars was completed. The study was designed to help researchers identify specific genes that cause the pest to become resistant to pesticides. A new paper has now been published showing evidence that two moths are clearly hybridizing in a variety of novel ways. No two hybrids were the same, suggesting a hybrid swarm, where multiple versions of different hybrids can be present with one population. Now, what that means is that you've got all these different hybrids, and you come up with chemical to kill this one, it won't kill these 27 of them. This is happening right now, and guess what? We are in, I believe, don't want to speculate too far, but I believe we're in the end times, right? Israel's back in the land. The world is degrading very quickly, and this is happening. And if it gets out, what, what do caterpillars turn into? Butterflies. Butterflies and moss, right? So they just move along. You get carried by the wind, and next thing you know, they're anywhere in the world. Plus, they get into crates, and they get shipped off somewhere. The end times are coming, and you wonder how Revelation can say a quart of uh, you know, wheat for whatever, and a, uh, a denarius for a quart of wheat, and a denarius for three uh, quarts of barley. Well, that's how it can happen, right here, right in front of you. The researchers suggest that it is too early to identify signs of successful selection in the resulting hybrids, but the clear variety of genetic transference found between the two individual pests is a source of great concern. The impact of these evolving pests is already damaging agricultural output in Brazil, and the researchers warned that if these mega pests establish as a discrete species, it would be agriculturally problematic for the entire Americas and beyond. Very serious stuff. Morality today. This kind of goes under revelation plagues. This is from Business Insider. Now, I read an article about a similar drug with similar effects uh, a year or two ago, but this is very interesting. I just have to wonder why it's in the Business Insider. But before I give you the article, I want to tell you that there is a petition you can sign. It's called themoralcry.com. 
It's an abortion petition, and they are trying to get Roe versus Wade overturned. People signing the petition, and then from there, they have lawyers that are working on this. If you want to sign that, it's called themoraloutcry.com. Somebody sent it to me this week, and guess what I signed, okay? Business Insider. A little-known hallucinogenic drug called DMT takes people to a place that feels more real than real. DMT is a psychedelic drug that is found in many plants and animals, including humans. DMT is usually smoked or injected. In the 90s, a researcher asked people to take the drug and report back what they experienced. Volunteers said that they experienced something more real than real, and some were convinced of life after death. Regular users of DMT report being taken to other realms, speaking to divine beings, and often come back with a new appreciation of life. This state cannot be described with words. It is a state where you exist in your purest form of deep peace and happiness. This world is beyond cool to look at, and it just so seems that this is the place where we all came from, which is awesome. Spirals upon spirals begin to appear, and infinite spirals would emerge from out of other spirals. I was happiness itself. This world is mine, and the happiness is emerging only from me. Imagine that. We don't need God anymore if we got something like this in the general public. A trip on DMT is described by users like breaking out of a simulation. People report being able to access the true inner workings of their minds and describe the feelings of being launched into other dimensions where they experience their consciousness existing outside of their own bodies. Now, this is something that forms in our bodies, and because it does, they believe that this is what causes us to have out-of-body experiences when it develops in us quickly. I'll explain that in a minute, but here we go. One may experience coalescence with their very fabric of space-time followed by the blast-off into an alternate alien realm termed hyperspace by some. The alternate realm defies all conceptions that we are accustomed to and typically presents an impossible geometric fractal patterns that possess eerie familiarity. Time and language are inconceivable, but you may experience telepathic conversations with the beings you encounter. He said, according to the personal accounts, a DMT trip takes you someplace completely different to this world, as opposed to modifying your relationship with it. One user told me that attempting to write it down is essentially pointless, but a common theme among users is that the opinion that the tripping on DMT feels more real than real. Rick Stassman, a psychologist and psychopharmacologist, led the first new human research in the U.S. into DMT in a generation. I was interested in looking at DMT as a naturally occurring psychedelic for quite a few reasons. One of them was being interested in the biology of naturally occurring spiritual states. One could make an argument that naturally occurring DMT was also involved in those non-drug states. Breathing exercises are a large part of many spiritual and religious communities as a way to reach enlightenment. If DMT is in fact produced in the lungs, which it is, this would tie nicely to how people reach psychedelic trance states while meditating. So you wonder why they want you to do yoga and all of these other things is because you get onto this little DMT high. Well, if you're prone to producing a lot of it or if you have a sudden shock to your body and you go into a near-death experience, it would explain why people see Jesus and why people see you know, Vishnu and Krishna and all that when actually it's just something that's happening in their minds based on a hallucinogenic. Um, I won't go any further with it than that, but I would like to say that if you are tempted by taking this, because obviously it's out there and it's being used because it made Business Insider, I would stay as far away from that as you possibly could. Because once you get into another reality, you will never want to get back to the real reality, which is waiting for the true reality in Christ, okay? Don't ruin your life on something like that. Instead, know that this crummy world where we have pain and affliction is a temporary stepping point off to glory and we won't need DMT to have the greatest experience of all eternity. We are going to see the face of Jesus Christ and that he is the source of all things and because he is the source we can find nothing better than seeing him because anything that we desire came from him. So please don't get into this type of stuff. I wanted to give it to you as a warning, alright? Our other category, Zero Hedge, India's big brother. I've reported on this before. It's coming more and more into focus in India daily. You would wonder how one of the poorest countries on this planet could be doing this. Well, the reason why is because we have certain places that are being used as test cases. 
think of it from that perspective and you will understand how India could be doing this. We have it up in Sweden, one of the richest countries on the planet. We have it going on in one of the poorest and most populated, by the way. It says, um, India's big brother, fingerprint and eye scans required for food and medicine. That sounds just like the book of Revelation, doesn't it? Seeking to build an identification system of unprecedented scope, India is scanning the fingerprints, eyes, and faces of its 1.3 billion residents and connecting the data to everything from welfare benefits to mobile phones. Prime Minister Modi and other champions of the program say that Aadhaar is India's ticket to the future, a universal, easy-to-use ID that will reduce the country's endemic corruption and help bring the most illiterate into the digital age. So it's all about corruption. It's about we're going to take care of the bad stuff and give you the good. That's not it at all, folks. It goes on. The poor must scan their fingerprints at the ration shop to get government allocations of rice. Retirees must do the same to get their pensions. Middle school students cannot enter the Water Department's annual painting contest until they submit their ID. The Modi government has also ordered Indians to link their IDs to their cell phone and bank accounts. Oh, we're going to trust you with our bank account, folks. As Aadhaar has become mandatory for government benefits, parts of rural India have struggled with the Internet connections necessary to make Aadhaar work. After a lifetime of manual labor, many Indians have no readable fingerprints, making authentication difficult. One recent study found that 20% of the households in Jharkhand state had failed to get their food rations under Aadhaar based on verification, five times the failure rate of ration cards. They're testing it out. They're getting the bugs out of the system in India so that they can do this to the entire planet. This isn't a conspiracy theory. This is going on. They're doing it in Sweden right now, and the Swedes are finally saying, we need cash, and they're coming up with logical reasons why they were stupid about giving away their cash. They're seeing it happening. I just read an article on that this past week, and now India is doing this. The poor and the the small with few population but a lot of wealth, and the big with giant population and almost no wealth, and they're testing it, working out both ends, and then they're just going to pass this around the whole world. Natural news. Top NASA scientists previously claimed all ice, all ice on the planet will vanish from the Arctic by this summer. (laughs) It's snowing right now. They're getting blizzards up north, right? Back in 2008, a top climate prophet from NASA predicted that the Arctic would be free of sea ice by summer 2018. But data from 2017 has shown quite the opposite. Ice mass in the Arctic has been growing, not disappearing, much to the chagrin of climate change propagandists everywhere. So 10 years ago, we were going to have no ice left on the planet. We'd have, you know what? Global warming is so selective, isn't it? We've got this one place up in the, the Virginia Bay area that the, the, the uh, it's an island, and they say that it's global warming, the the water is rising up above it, right? And then we got the same thing in the Gulf of Mexico, this one group of of uh, what do you call islands is global warming is causing the water to rise. Well, I live on the water. I live two feet away from the water, and it hasn't risen this much since my grandpa moved here in 1948. And I know that because my dad lived there, and now I live there, right? So it's very selective where it, you know, what's happening is these places are being eroded away. It's happening to Egmont Key right down the way. I flew over it in the helicopter trip with Itico. Egmont Key is almost gone. Well, guess what? Siesta Key is here. Lido Key is here. They're all here. It's called erosion, folks. It's not called global warming. Okay. That's part of global warming. That is part of global warming is erosion. That's right. Breitbart, after nearly 100 years of gun control, London adding knife control. Maybe you've read about this, but if you haven't, unbelievable. On 2 April 2018, Breitbart reported that Britain began an incremental adoption of stringent gun controls in 1920. The controls were ratcheted up during the decades that followed until the hoops one had to jump through for legal handgun ownership reached a point where doing so became impractical. The handgun prohibitions were contained in the Firearms Act of 1997. In 2009, just 12 years after the passage of Firearms Act, the Daily Mail declared Britain the most violent country in all of Europe. Okay? It reported that Britain had a worse rate for all types of violence than the United States. On October 21st, 2017, Breitbart reported that rapes in London were 
Three. That's three, kids. Three times higher than in New York City. And on April 2nd, 2018, Breitbart reported that London's homicide rate had surpassed the number of homicides in New York City year to date. London's homicides are largely being committed with knives. So the mayor is increasingly focused on controlling knives. Yes. And is granting police extra stop and search powers for areas worst affected by knife crime. And the Daily Wire reports that Parliament is also set to take up heavy knife control legislation when it resumes next week. The most heavy regulated gun laws in our country always lead to the highest crime rates. Chicago, St. Louis, Washington, D.C. Anytime you regulate that, you are going to have more crime, not less. And so they keep regulating these people until they're going to be just peons ready for the slaughter. Okay, here we go. Free Beacon. DNC member who called blacks colored people resigns. Florida DNC member John Parker resigned amidst a wave of calls for him to step down. Calls for Parker to step down came from black activists and other party members after he referred to blacks as colored people during a party meeting. Huh! Right? What is it called? The NAACP, colored people. They call themselves colored people. We call ourselves whatever we are because we're human beings. I'm Asian, I say I'm an Asian person. The guy says they're colored people, which is what they say on their thing. I don't understand it. I don't understand the entire race issue that's going on in this world. People are people. Acts 17, you know what, let me read this to you. Acts 17.26 says this. I'm going to read this to you. Hang on, this just came to mind. It might be 28, but I think it's 26. I think 28 is a different subject, but anyway, it's going to be one of the two. Acts 17, starting in verse 26. It says, um, and he, yeah, 26, and he is made from one blood, or one man in some translations, every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. All people came from one guy. His name was anybody? Adam. Adam, right? And then Adam had an Eve, right? Right out of his side. God created Eve out of him, and together they populated the planet. We're all the same, right? I don't understand this, but I'm glad that it was a Democrat. Got him out of there. Reuters. Japan activates first Marines since World War II to bolster defenses against China. They're very scared. The Japanese are very scared of what's going on with China right now. JTA, liberal Jewish groups join in opposition to Trump, appointees of John Bolton and Mike Popeo. The liberals don't like them. From the Christian Post, Franklin Graham, religious freedom advocates urge Senate to confirm Pompeo as Secretary of State. So you can see the division here. Got a lesserick for you. The Bible is no longer sold. Its message considered too bold. The communists say they will alter the way till their minds they can reshape and mold. Mm, that's perfect. It is perfect. Thank you, Les. And probably Kathy, they help each other on it. I don't remember this week what they who did it, but I think it was Les and maybe some help from Kathy. And then irony and odd. This is irony and odd, okay? From Drudge, man murdered while driving in a funeral procession. So you didn't have to go very far to get buried. And then from Breaking Israel News... Fakistinian Transport Ministry complains Israel won't give us more tires. Have you seen how many tires they've burnt in the past week? Tens of thousands of tires. And so Israel said, you're not getting any more. Such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is the Superior Word, and that is your Prophecy Update for the week.